Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media, the special Dakar Rally edition. It is stage one done and dusted. We said our hellos yesterday, but uh, today the business began out here in Saudi Arabia. What is chapter three of the world's toughest race, the 42nd edition? And uh, yeah, a tough start for Toyota Gazoo Racing, but... uh, I'm certain it's going to get a whole lot better over the course of the next two weeks. As always, I've got a host of guests joining me. Uh, Valdo van der Waal will hopefully be joining us a little later. But uh, I said he was a special guest yesterday. But this time around, I'm going to say the regular guest because uh, he's pretty much going to be joining us uh, every single day. Ben Constantaduros, thanks so much for joining us once again. And then we've got uh, Mario D'Souza and Danny Chen all the way from Belgium. But uh, a South African by birth and by heart and by everything else. But, uh, gents, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, ben, jeez, uh, uh, what a day. What a day. Uh, for day one, normally it's a kind of get yourself awake and get yourself into the zone and they'd give you a nice, easy stage. But this was the shortest stage of the rally uh, in terms of special section. And it was brutal. It was evil for those guys out there. Yeah, I think in total, Mario, 11 punctures across the four teams for Toyota Gazoo Racing. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, it goes to show how tough the stage must have really been. Uh, from what I understand, um, a lot of the guys are getting the, sh- the, the rocks quite sharp, um, a lot of rocks under the sand, and this has obviously uh, caused some, some aggravations to a lot of our drivers. Yeah, they were, they were coming through. I mean, they weren't happy, Ben. Uh, I was right at the finish, as were you. I mean, we, we, we got first-hand experience when it came to the drivers and navigators, and of course, Toyota Gazoo Racing going into this event as defending champions with Nasser Latia and Mathieu Bobel looking to, to defend their crown. Um, talk us through the results quick. Uh, it wasn't quite the result that they wanted, but the good news is that they won't get to set the pace uh, tomorrow as far as the track's concerned. Yeah, I think almost all of the top competitors arrived at the finishing line frustrated, thinking they'd lost a lot of time. Uh, both of the two minis, the buggies, they had navigational issues with a uh, what they call a waypoint masque. So it's um, it's a hidden waypoint. It only appears when you get much closer to it. And they f- failed to find it for quite a while, both Peter Hansel, Sainz. Uh, and there was another one of the drivers who also struggled with that same waypoint. So uh, it wasn't just about the punctures. There was a lot of navigational issues for Fernando as well. Him and Mark Coma had a few difficulties. But at the end of the day, none of them lost that much time because they all had issues. And there was only one man who didn't seem to have any issues and by all accounts drove like an absolute nutcase to win the stage he didn't even have a uh, twitter account a couple of hours ago and now he's a leader of the dakar can you can you imagine tomorrow as a novice leading a a a dakar a stage i'd be scared really scared (laughs) (laughs) you've got the biggest names sitting behind you. I mean, you couldn't wish for a better position to be in. I mean, this is a dream situation to be in. Uh, if he stays there, I mean, first tell us who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So um, I can't pronounce his first name, uh, but it's Zala and Jurgelenis from Lithuania. They're driving in an old style mini all four racing, uh, part of uh, a gentleman driver, basically, for uh, the X-Ray team. Uh, 
a massive fleet of minis they have, but a real surprise. Uh, De Villiers was sitting here a few hours ago saying, I've never heard of the guy. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea who he is. And Michael Orr said, yeah, but he was going super fast. He came past me 100% and a little bit out of control. Yes, tomorrow he's not only going to lead this stage, <laughs> but they don't get the road books until 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So there's no prep for the, uh, the guys, um, the co-drivers. They can't do anything. And he's going to be setting the tracks for the guys behind. If I was Peter Hansel's science and Alatir, I'm not sure I'd trust them. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If he didn't have a social media counter a couple of hours ago, he must have bumped into Jenny, Danny Chen because Danny is <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> mad when it comes to social media. If you don't know Danny, you will in a couple of hours because he'll be all over the place. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, how have you enjoyed your first Dakar experience, uh, firstly? And secondly, a, a bit of background as you're involved with the team. Okay, so I am the... Uh, uh, global PR person for Toyota Gazoo Racing and uh, I've been involved in this Dakar project uh, when the team was still Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa uh, for several years and uh, now uh, the team, the full crews are running under the banner of the full global Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, so I'm doing the PR for that um, also working closely to bring the Fernando story uh, to the fore um, and that's my, my background now my experience so far very interesting you don't believe us. You told us you don't believe us anymore. No, I, I don't believe you because before coming here, everyone said, oh, this is the toughest event you ever, ever experienced. I know that. I thought I know that. And I came here and things have been going uh, very, very smoothly. He's just having so much fun. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his Twitter account, every hour there's a new selfie. Can, can, I, can I say something? Before, before coming here, I thought, uh oh, when we get into the desert, no 4G, no data. Hmm. I'm not going to be able to do much social posting. But as Ben said, I've been posting quite a lot because connection, pretty good. <laughs> it's fantastic on this side. And, you know, I'm partly to blame as well over the years in creating this illusion that the Dakar Rally is an amazing, joyful holiday uh, because of the photos <laughs> that I post. I'm also very much prevalent in social media. So I travel with the team of Hannes Voldu and my business partner, Ray. And, and, and we work 24-7, and, and you're experiencing it right now, because as I speak, we're sitting in a very nice hotel, yeah. not able to appreciate the luxuries that they're providing, because we hold up in the corner, working non-stop. By 3 a.m., we'll probably still be here. Um, but that being Wait, said... did you say 3 a.m.? Uh, I need to sleep at some point. I said, <laughs> well, it's a long podcast. Uh, people want to know. <laughs> they want to know everything about you, Danny. Uh, we've had messages left, right, and center. Who is this guy popping up on our social media accounts everywhere? Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, I mean, it is a very tough race to be involved in from a work perspective, but jeez, people would do anything to be, especially those that are listening right now. And Mario, you've appreciated it firsthand because uh, you've had a break for a little while and yeah. now you're back in the hot seat. And, and man, how tough was it being on the other side? Look, the, the South American side is, is completely different to what it, we've experienced it so far. I got a feeling there's a, a sting coming somewhere along the line. I mean, so far we've been driving in um, two and three lane highways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, we say we're, we're the dunes. You, you guys talk about us barreling along into the desert, gravels <laughs> and rocks, and yeah, and stuff like that. And yeah, and 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 for me, it's been it's a completely different experience so far. But I got a feeling that. 
empty quarter that's coming up in the second week, mm. it's gonna be um, we're gonna experience the real the real stuff. I don't think we're gonna be sitting on 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 fancy highways yep. and um, lots of um, Wi-Fi no, and, yep. and at hotels mm. and internet. <laughs> so lap it up yep. while you can. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's very much still early days as far as our experience is concerned, but it's extremely early days as far as the race is concerned. So a tough day for Toyota Gazoo Racing. But that being but said, not for still. Not for everybody, no. Yeah. There's still 11 stages to go. Yeah. And um, Janiel de Villiers would have probably been the unhappiest of the lot, w- without a doubt, following no doubt. Today's, today's effort. Ben? 14th doesn't sound that bad, does it? Uh, I mean, it's not great in terms of his standards, but uh, on the first day, not too bad. Unfortunately, though, 23 minutes down off the pace uh, after so many punctures that he basically had to drive with a puncture for the second half of the stage. The tyre was, he pumped it up so it wouldn't deflate totally. And also running slight fever as well, feeling a bit ill. Uh, so he finished the day 14th. I'll run through the, the, the order quickly for you. Uh, just ahead of him, Sheikh Al-Kasimi, who ended up on his side at one point in his Peugeot. Um, so uh, he lost a bit of time also and with it, the puncture. Again, um, Janil had to stop to see if everything was fine. And he ended up losing some time and then somebody else passed him and he had to tap off because of dust. And he, obviously that also affected his, his time. Uh, just ahead of him, Martin Prokop in the Ford. He arrived at the finishing line with only three wheels. Exactly the same as we saw from a couple of competitors. Fernando Alonso in 11th position, just ahead, 15 minutes back uh, off the winner. Uh, and Fernando had two punctures. And as I said, him and Mark Comer had a few, I think... I think maybe some disagreements inside the cockpit uh, in terms of uh, navigation seemed to have got lost for quite a while and ended up in a group of cars trying to find a waypoint. Uh, just ahead of him into the top 10, Eric Van Loon, a privateer in a Toyota, 14 minutes back. Yazid Al-Raji, also Toyota, 13 46 back. Uh, he got lost uh, with him in about 30 kilometers and lost 10 minutes at the start of the stage. Uh, so to be only 13 by the end wasn't too bad. No, that's fantastic. No. It's a good recovery. Uh, just ahead of him, um, Vladimir Vasiliev, another of the drivers to appear at the finishing line with just three wheels. Um, and Vasiliev with a new co-driver, new Russian co-driver, 13 and a half minutes back in his mini. Um, Sarah Dory in, I think that's a South African built buggy, yes. isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Century? Yes. The Century Racing uh, CR6, as it's, uh, as it's known. And uh, I mean, that car did very well, although it was a little bit underweight, I believe. In Morocco, but it's shown the potential, and I, and I think we're going to see more and more of that car this this, this race. And he is uh, he's an experienced competitor, done this a lot. Nine minutes back from the leader, uh, Oli Terranova was another man to get lost with Fernando Alonso midway through uh, the stage, and he finished seven fifteen down in sixth, and then into the top five. I think a solid day, a really good day from Bernard Tembrinker, fifth position, six and a half minutes back with a couple of issues as well. Yeah, I think Bernard has been the find of the Dakar over the last couple of years. I mean, he's been up there with the best. Uh, yeah. he's, he's won a few stages. Yeah. And uh, when was it? Two, two years ago where he, he won in Argentina. What's uh, the notorious one? 
Fiambala, thank you very much, uh, Valde van der Waal. <laughs> Fiambala, which is notoriously uh, yes, the, the, the toughest stage. stage. Yeah. And, and he came away with the victory. And the last two Dakars, it's ended in heartbreak for him uh, in oh, the second man, and third so final stages. So, yeah. so, yeah, we really are rooting for him, as we are with the other three teams, of Absolutely. course. But uh, if there's one man that certainly deserves to finish, it is the Flying Dutchman. He's a bit of an underdog. We must not underestimate his capabilities. He's got a good car. Um, and uh, he's, he's very capable. I mean, we, we know that. He, he showed it last year, he showed it the year before. So we must not um, write him off yet. And he finished the stage with three wheels as well. Yeah. <laughs> last three kilometers he drove with a rear flat. And I think it was 1K, the last Was K. it 1K? Yeah. But they all, they, all these guys that, who appeared with three wheels on the car all had the same problem, rear right, um, completely disintegrated the tyre. So yeah. they definitely, rather than a small hole, that was a big hole being created. There was nothing left. <laughs> just no. just a casing on, on, on the air. Uh, some, some frailing bits of rubber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flapping around. Yeah. So, so in, into the top uh, top five, uh, top five. Then Bernard in fifth position. Nasser Alatir, a uh, one minute ahead of him, so five minutes thirty back. Uh, and as we said before, NASA with a couple of punctures, uh, no navigational issues for Nothing. NASA. Nothing. Um, one of the very few. Matthew doing a fantastic job. Matthew was very nervous about going into tomorrow leading. So he's very happy that actually they finished down in fourth position because he's got a couple of tracks to follow. Those tracks are Carlos Sainz, Stefan Pellehansel. And then Mr. Zala. Mr. Zala, the Lithuanian unknown who until a couple of hours ago did not have a social media account. Uh, I can tell you what, it's going to be up by the thousands by the time we speak about him tomorrow. For sure. Um, look, uh, I, I do believe that, that both uh, Matthew and, and also the Tembrinka crew, they're very happy where they are. I mean, starting fourth and fifth, uh, I think it's going to be a tough stage again tomorrow. And to have some, some decent tracks to follow, I don't know about the number one car, but uh, but the rest they're competitive guys. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be good for Timbrinka and for for NASA. So NASA coming in fourth position. Uh, I was first to catch up with him uh, once he came over the finish line. Him and Mathieu, and this is what he had to say: Hard day, <laughs> but okay. I think we did a good job, you know. Except uh, three flat tires, and we three we stopped three times, you know, and to change and uh, yeah, it was not uh, not easy, but okay. Uh, it's nice to be here in the finish. What's it like taking part at the Dakar Rally? Now we're one stage in, which is almost like your home ground, area that you know very, very well. Yeah, it's not uh, the first time for me to be to be here, you know, but okay. Uh, the feeling is, yes, is uh, more relaxed, you know, but uh, uh, the terrain is, was uh, really uh, difficult today, not easy, like uh, like Africa, like Morocco, you know, and uh, but okay, uh, I think it's a good place to... To race here. How was the Hilux? Very good. It's working very well. Tell us about Mathieu today. Mathieu is good. Uh, he did a good job and without any mistake. And yeah, we are quite happy. Yeah, pertinent that he spoke about Mathieu and you mentioned it as well. The one guy not to get lost along the way. I mean, this guy is just cool, calm and collected uh, every single day. Yeah, and he's got he's got real faith in the guys that do the prep for him as well. This is one of the days where you still could take advantage over those map men, those people who are spending all night trying to plot alternative routes, try to spot where those waypoints are and guide you around the bigger dunes. That's something they don't have tomorrow. So I'm really interested to see uh, how that really shakes up the order. Of course, as we said, he has got Peter Hansel and Science ahead of him. Peter Hansel, really interesting fact about him that I learned today. First time in 15 years, he's got English notes because he's always had French co-drivers before. 
Uh, his wife drove him early in the year, spoke French. Portuguese co-driver because his wife got ill. So the notes are coming in in English rather than French. And subconsciously, he's not computing them quite as fast. Uh, so he's taking some time to r- work out what that means, uh, which is just causing a few nav issues. Oh, I think that's a perfect way to put it to the test tomorrow. I think we should put Ben behind the wheel when we're traveling <laughs> to the next stage. And the three of you traveling with him must navigate enough Afrikaans, Danny. <laughs> I think we've been uh, having some fun with Ben in the car. Uh, three South Africans and a, and a Brit teaching some of our um, South Africanisms. I can, like, uh, sure if you remember them being based in Belgium, uh, do you still have some South Africanisms uh, up your sleeve? Yeah, I'll tell you just now. Oh, I can't wait. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, learned what, what lacquer means. Oh, yeah, very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, can you remember? Can you tell? Well, yeah, it just means good, but it means good generally about food, but none of you use it about food. You just use it about everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a very general term. <laughs> the only problem I do have is working out the nows, and I'm a, that's going to take the whole rally to work <laughs> out which now is actually now, and which now means later, well, and which now means in a bit. But uh, just okay. now... I'll, I'll tell you now now. now. I'll tell you now now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when I was prepping for this podcast, because Ben was busy pacing up and down, he was desperate <laughs> to get a bit. He goes, when are we doing this? Because you really enjoy it, and it's really great, great to have you on board. And I think I told you three different versions of now. Yeah, exactly, there you go. <laughs> um, back to the navigating side of things uh, with Mathieu. Now, you mentioned it earlier, and we'll get into it uh, a little later, but... A massive change uh, to the Dakar this year with regards to the road book. So I spoke to Mathieu shortly after they came through, and uh, this is what he had to say about the challenges that the Navis face this year. Yeah, it's for many things. Uh, the, la- the last uh, years what was many uh, options for us to, to find better way and uh, to not follow the road book. And all the organizers ask uh, as the competitor now to follow the way, to follow the roadbook for security reasons, this is the best. And uh, so for us, n- not to uh, e- uh, to work the day before on the map, uh, it, it makes a little bit more uh, stress for us because you discover everything during driving and it makes, it makes us thinking more fast, uh, reacting more fast, integrating the roadbook more fast. So you need to anticipate a lot, and uh, it will be a new exercise also, but uh, it will be like that six times during this Dakar. And we will learn all about that over the coming days. Stage 2, Stage 3, Stage 5, Stage 6, and Stage 10 and 11 are those six days where they'll pick up the roadbook at 8 o'clock in the morning as they check out of service. And basically, the liaison section tomorrow is what? 10 Ks to the start? Uh, 14 Ks, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really too short. Yeah. Yeah. So they haven't got very much time to do any prep whatsoever. Luckily, their start time is about an hour after they check out of the bivouac. So 14 Ks, one hour. We could do it a bit faster than that. There's a bit of time. So now the other thing that they've now done, which I found out yesterday, um, each car is equipped now with a box um, which your cell phones or the driver navigator's cell phones go into and get locked by the uh, ASO and only unlocked after the stage so that information cannot be transmitted across into the uh, fancy cell phones that everybody has nowadays. So if somebody um, gets the maps or gets the, uh, the um, uh, stage information and passes it on, and if you've got a cell phone with you, you'll be able to um, still get information during the stage. So now it's been locked away. 
Yeah, they certainly are taking it very seriously this time around. And it's amazing to think that this wasn't incorporated earlier in the yeah. DACA. In terms of hiding the cell phones, I'm not necessarily uh, keeping the roadbook away from the NAVs no, until sure. the very last minute. I, I mean, imagine being a navigator, Mario. I mean, mm. uh, for the last couple of years, this has assisted you massively. This has played such a, an important role uh, in your job. I mean, chatting to Glenn Hall, team principal for Toyota Gazoo Racing, uh, soon after de- today's stage, I asked him this very question about... Uh, how, what did this mean to the team and, and the dynamics? And he said, well, now suddenly the navigators finish the stage and have supper and go relax. Ordinarily, they'd be studying the road book till late oh, at yeah, night. for sure. Mm. Now that has taken it completely out of the equation. I mean, we saw it um, during, well, during my time in, in South America. Um, the navvies used to go and find a quiet corner somewhere, nine times out of ten, either in the, in the bivouac or in a hotel room and go almost through the night. Um, to try and work out what is the best route for the next day. So, Danny, you spoke about being involved with a host of, of different angles uh, for the Toyota Gazoo racing story, but probably the biggest story, well, undoubtedly the biggest story, is the Fernando Alonso story. How did it come about? Uh, we touched on it yesterday, but uh, I'm sure you were an integral part uh, in getting the, the Spaniard to swap his F1 helmet, uh, FI helmet, the works, uh, to join up with uh, the Dakar Rally. I think you're giving me way too much credit for this. Take it. <laughs> no, but um, I've we, we've been working with Fernando since um, uh, Le Mans, oh, well, the, the World Endurance Championship, uh, when he joined us uh, a couple of years ago, um, and then proceeded to win Le Mans uh, twice, and then went on to win the championship as well. Um, so he's been part of the Gazoo family for a while now, and he, he approached us at some point and, and asked if... Um, if there is uh, any chance he can he can try out Dakar with us. A bit of detail in terms of how did he approach you? I mean, was it simply, I really want to come race for you guys, or? Well, he was uh, he was on a on a trip in uh, in Japan uh, to visit uh, Toyota Japan there to do some some promotional work, and uh, he spoke to uh, some of our um, our uh, big big wigs, our big bosses. And so you and a few other guys. Not me, definitely not me. However, 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 I do have uh, I do have my South African connection in the sense uh, with uh, Team Principal Glenn. So uh, my colleagues in Japan gave me a call and said, um, "Hey, uh, Fernando said this. So what can we do? How do we do it?" So I uh, I spoke to Glenn immediately, and uh, we came up with a plan quite quickly, actually, surprisingly, uh, testing schedule and uh, what we need to do, what he needs to do, and we kicked off from there. And the first test uh, was last year in March, uh, in end of March sometime, in uh, Namibia. And uh, and then we proceeded to do more testing the last six months. Intensively, by the way. Extremely intensive. And how has the working relationship been? Um, I think his traveling schedule has been off the charts, uh, having to accommodate... I think I think last year, the, the calendar year, he traveled, he was on 112 flights or something. You see on his social media, on his Instagram stories, he, he is a counter every time he flies. <laughs> it's unreal. I can't imagine flying that much like him. No. Well, he's done more mileage in the air than what we normally do in the ground, you know, to, <laughs> trips-wise. You know. I, I hear Gary Player is <laughs> envious of his travel shit <laughs> the amount of times he flies. Uh, but yeah, it, it has been spectacular for the sport. I mean, we don't often see big changes at the top when it comes to drivers, Ben, and uh, to have this man in the mix, it just takes Dakar to another level. It's lovely to see that actually he's quite performant. You know, he 
was very frustrated as you'd felt when you uh, interviewed him at the end of the stage. Uh, there was clearly some hot air that needed to come out of that Toyota uh, from the various frustrations of, of getting lost. And you, I can imagine, you know, in a race situation, when you get lost, it must the temperature must boil up in the cockpit and there must be kind of words said to your co-driver. And then to come with the punctures as well, he was so frustrated. Well, he needs to learn, and it's going to be taking a long time because Fernando has that temper, has that temperament from Formula One over many years. He just needs to learn that that's what happens. Everybody yeah. else had issues too. Absolutely, but you've got to remember he comes from from a track uh, point of view, so you know it's the same lap or the same same circuit that that you're travelling, and you don't have anybody shouting in your ear, telling you what to do and where you should be going, and and so except, I think that kind of builds up. Team radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 engineer says, "What are you <laughs> yeah, doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm turning down a horsepower, and giving you more horsepower." But, but uh, otherwise, you know, it's the same track. Conditions may change because somebody may drop some oil or weather changes in 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 a Le Mans up scenario where yep. it starts raining. But th- where you're going to, it's the same place all the time. So you you kind of got an idea of what what is coming around the next corner. Now is in a comp completely different scenario because there is no next corner the next corner is something brand new and and um you know in off-road racing there's there's something foul looking <laughs> looking to take care of you if you're not careful uh, and i think that that has his time and experience and, and i think he, he mentions that he said that more than once that you know it, it's his lack of experience look we all know he's, he's one of the best in the world as far as driving capabilities is concerned we can't take that away from him and Janil himself said, you know, I can't go and teach him how to drive. It's just that he needs to build that experience in, in, in off-road. I mean, I don't believe that he, he had even tried anything on dirt prior to, to, to start um, in March? his test in, his, his test yeah, in March. Nothing. And uh, I think we need to keep in mind, of course, that uh, his testing, the intensive testing schedule only started in July and uh, ended uh, sort of end of November-ish. So it's not been a long time that he's been testing. Ben touched on it a little earlier regarding his relationship with Mia. He wasn't my biggest fan, I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> when he came through the finish line today, I was first at the door with the microphone in his face, and he said, no, give me two minutes. I said, yeah. no, I need to talk to you now. And uh, yeah, he wasn't too chuffed about it, but uh, this is what he had to say after finishing 11th overall for the day. It feels great, obviously. It's, uh it's an adventure that we we like it to uh, to taste, and uh, yeah, we did it okay today. We had some some issues uh, with the navigation. We got lost a couple of times, but it's, it's part of the game. Uh, it happened to us today. It will happen to others maybe another day. But uh, yeah, overall happy with the car, uh, happy with the performance, um, and yeah, getting more confidence. How did it feel? I mean, I know you expected the, the worst, but was it as bad as you expected? I mean, as I said, I felt good uh, on the stage. Good, uh, the car was was feeling great, and uh, I had no no really concerns or no really uh, scary moments or anything like that. Uh, unfortunately, as I said, you know, maybe we lost a little bit too much time uh, trying to find a way. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's part of the game. We did 300 kilometers of uh, 5,000. That is the car, so it's a small percentage today, and uh, happy to to be here. What was the relationship like with you and Mark? Good. I think uh, yeah, we we try to uh, to spend a lot of time together before Dakar, and uh, I think now we have a relationship that is uh, is uh, beyond the, the co-driver and the driver, and uh, that's uh, that's I think very nice. 
No question, his popularity is off the charts here in Saudi Arabia. Now, Mario, you play an integral role in trying to keep the wolves at bay when it comes to the media because you are his unofficial bodyguard uh, uh, over here at uh, at Dakar 2020. (laughs) It's... um my previous Dakars, I was involved with media, but then I was entertaining media and VIPs, and you know, it, it was easy. Um, it's tough. The guys are really, they're wolves. You know, they, they um, look, it, he is a big name. We know that. And, and obviously, that's exactly why one of the reasons that, that, uh, that is fantastic to have a name like that at Dakar. But um, they're relentless, you know, and, and so we, we've come up with a plan, and, and, and I think. There's a couple of nigglies that we need to to iron out, but I think it's going to it's not it's starting to work. But we need to control it to a certain extent, and um, uh, and Fernando needs to realize he's a big name, um, and 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 uh, people want to talk to him because that that's the attraction. Um, and I think with time to come, think doing the doing the race, I think things will calm down. Mm. I think what's very interesting is that. There's been many, many celebrity Dakar participants across the 42 editions. You know, there's been uh, the Prince Albert of Monaco competed one year. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's son, Mark Thatcher, famously got lost one year. Um, <laughs> plenty of Formula X, Formula One drivers. Carlos Sainz, WRC champion. Colin Vias Boas, the former Chelsea manager two years ago. Yes, that's right. And there was, was there a rugby player from South Africa as well? Uh, no, I think there was one that was keen on taking part, but he, he never quite got beyond the wheel. Either way, these guys have, have come into the Dakar. They've done it uh, in a quiet fashion. They've gone into a privateer car, privateer team. Andrea Villas-Boas being one such example as a privateer Toyota driver. He, and they didn't have that same draw. The fact that Fernando has come into a works Toyota team, Danny Chen has made him a mega celebrity even more than he was it's oh again <laughs> way too much credit it's oh your dear. fault Danny oh dear. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of brought that celebrity with him when he he could have done it quietly but he's doing it at the very very highest quality as he did in IndyCar uh, and putting himself out there for criticism putting himself out there for analysis and uh, and that's what he's, he's experiencing it takes guts to do something like that Absolutely, because yeah. you know you, you, you're the top name and um, you, you take part in one of these events, and, and if you don't perform, people are going to say, you know, is he really that good? Um, so from what I understand, doing the testing, and Danny, you'd know because you've been involved mm. with, with uh, a lot of the testing, is, is from, uh, from what the team has said, the way he operates, the way he talks, the, the questions he asks. Uh, I mean, I saw it this afternoon, there was a slight um, one of the diff, the rear diff uh, breather. It's it, it, some oil had come out and was on the on on the belly plate, and he immediately when he walked into into the um, bivouac area where the vehicles are being prepared, he noticed that the other three cars didn't have any. So mm-hmm. he said to he said to um, um, or Glenn, uh, I see the other cars and there's no oil <laughs> residue on the back. What, is there an issue with mine? No, 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 not to worry. It was just a breather, you know, and everything's fine. The diffs have been checked. Everything's 100%. But his attention to detail and apparently his, worth, uh, his work ethic is just mind-boggling. And that's, I think it's that stuff that he brings from, obviously, from Formula One and from uh, WEC. is just an unbelievable professional. Yeah, he's he's been very very dedicated. Every yeah. time we speak to the team, 
during the testing phase, it's been incredible because um, you know, in the beginning of the test, so I've been involved as, as we just discussed uh, from the beginning. So we have a testing plan. We have some certain mileage, how many days, where we're going to go test, what kind of you know, terrain, location, dunes, hard tracks, rocks, whatever. Um, and the mileage part is interesting because uh, we, we committed to certain mileage per day. That's, um, I think the team decided that this is the maximum that they, they want to put him through because it's tough. You spend hours and hours and hours driving around uh, in these uh, crazy uh, terrain conditions. And every single day he comes back uh, at the end of the day and they've doubled the mileage, the planned mileage. And we ended up with a huge amount of mileage in testing that wasn't uh, part of the original plan. Original he, plan. He, he, yeah. he doubled it because yeah. he because he said, and, and Glenn always said to me, he comes he, he he doesn't want to come in. He wants to do more and more and more. He says, I, I I have so little time. I need to get the experience, and I want to get in the car and just drive and drive and drive. And Glenn said, of course, because you need to get used to being in the car for long periods of time. Because at, at that car, you have to spend hours and hours in it, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers per day uh so fine but it's he's so dedicated and it's really impressive and seat time seat time is so important in any type of motorsport you know the the, the more time you spend in south america uh the better you get to know it the more uh, comfortable you feel with it um and and he's he's doing exactly that i mean uh after the race that he had in Luchtenburg, the following day he was with nasa in the dunes in, 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 uh, yeah. And that, that wasn't even part of our, our testing plan. No. There so was so <laughs> N- Nasser called him up and said, come over to, I'll, I'll show you how to, to drive in dunes. Come over to, uh, to Qatar. Yeah. And they, as you said, immediately, at the, as soon as Lichtenberg ended after the, the windscreen with the guinea fowl, <laughs> <laughs> um, he flew out and um, he spent, what, two days, two days and a two half? Days in, in yeah, the, it was two days. Yeah. I, that shows a commitment. Of of the man and shows that you know it's it's Ben had mentioned you know he could have just come in quietly, but I don't think I don't think it's his in, in his it's DNA. No, no it's it, it's all or nothing. I'm here. Uh, I know that the chance he's mentioned it. The chances of me winning, it's obviously not realistic, but I want to come out out there and do the best I can and and. Yeah, he's not a tourist here. No, he's definitely not a tourist. Well, I think that sums it up to perfection, all or nothing. Yeah. Because we know what he's managed to achieve on the Formula yeah. 1 circuit. And, and what always amazed me, they always had those surveys and polls amongst mm. fellow F1 drivers. And almost to a man, everyone that was asked, who is the best Formula 1 driver here? I mean, even by the time that Fernando wasn't winning races, yeah. to a man, each one yeah. said Fernando Alonso. And that just shows the talent of the man, firstly. And secondly... How well respected he is amongst well, his peers d- during the time that he was racing for um, for the bronzing horse, for many f- many a race and, and many a season, he carried a car on his back. I mean, let's face it, he was performing better than what the car should have. Well, yeah, McLaren have as well. McLaren, the same thing. So, I mean, he, he's, his talent is you can't fault it. He's just an unbelievable guy. Uh, for me, the the main target for Fernando. He's realistic in the fact that he's not going to win. Other people may hype it up and say he's looking for a top three, he's looking for a top five. I think at the end of the day, if he finishes well, you know, in a top 10, but if he finishes, it's a huge achievement just to get to the end of a Dakar. We're back to Africa spec. The average speed is expected to be over 100 kilometers an hour here when in Argentina it was more like 90. So we're back to 5,500 kilometers, 3,000 kilometers of competition 
It's a huge, huge thing just to get to the end. He's got a great car that shouldn't falter him, and but it's down to you know, not making nav errors where it puts you in a situation, controlling your mindset so you don't get angry when you get a puncture and just get into the end. If he does that, for me, that is Dakar box ticked for him. And as much as uh, leading the Indy 500 was a couple of years back. Look at look at, uh, at Sebastian Loeb. I mean... He, yeah, he uh, never won it. He never won it. And um, he crashed a couple of times. Um, if, if, if Fernando can, can hold it together and can finish the rally, uh, I think it's going to be a massive achievement. And if he does finish, we know the attrition is going to be higher. Uh, from, from what Janil said today, if this was the first stage... I think this is going to be a really tough one. So if he can finish, uh, if he can get into the second week, um, the top 10 is not impossible. And I think we, we also mustn't forget um, who he has on the passenger seat. Uh, yeah. Mark Comer. Yeah, we I mean, spoke about that earlier too. Yeah, he's a, he's a Dakar legend in his own right. Uh, five times a Dakar uh, winner on the bike what you're not realizing Derek here is that this is just a regurgitation of a conversation for the last six hours (laughs) in the car (laughs) (laughs) well I want to do it all over again (laughs) (laughs) we just do pub quizzes in ours we can actually record the podcast right there actually that's a fantastic idea (laughs) (laughs) we'll do ours and people will uh, score very high in the next pub quiz (laughs) 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 won't get much DACO knowledge unfortunately Um, so that's stage one done and dusted Uh, talk us through stage two man uh, stage two, we go from Al Waji up to Neom. Very excited to go to Neom, which is on Google non-existent. You just, yep. you just want to go and see the hotel. Well, <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be brand new, and probably nobody's going to be in it because this is a brand new city that has been invested what five hundred million, five hundred billion billion US dollars to build the city. So very excited to see that. Uh, the stage is a little bit longer in terms of competition uh, than today, but much shorter liaisons. Um, and a little bit more gravel than we saw today. They ha- did have quite a bit of sand. When you see the, vi- yeah. the video footage, it was quite a bit of sand today. So gravel footage, uh, more gravel tomorrow, which... Which could be fast. Could be fast. Could also play against those annoying BF Goodrich tires. Yeah. Yeah, so it is extremely exciting to to do wait and see what does take place. I'm annoyed place. by them, and I'm not even <laughs> a driver. I think we all are annoyed by them. Right, by the way, just just as we continue this discussion on on Neom, yeah, uh, we didn't finish this discussion on the name of the city of Neom. Oh yeah, go on. Yeah, so I've I've just Wikipedia'd it. An- <laughs> another another car conversation. Yeah, and didn't come up in our pub quiz either. So uh, I'm interested. <laughs> okay. to know. Well, so you can use this in the pub quiz tomorrow. Okay, you're not. Can they hear me? No, they can't. No, they've got the headphones on. It's fine. Excellent. So, Neom is a construction of two words. The first three letters, Neo, uh, in the form of the ancient Greek uh, prefix Neo, meaning new. The fourth letter, the M, is from the abbreviation of Mostagbo. Sorry. Well done, Danny. Arabic is not so good. But it's the Arabic word for future. Yeah, it's titled as a future city. They've shortened a word that's got 11 letters in it to M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is Wikipedia, so you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> Neom. It's almost like in um, Qatar for the Football World Cup, they've created a city called The Sale, which will also host the final, if I'm not mistaken. So as soon as they realize they're getting the showpiece event, they said, well, don't have enough cities, never mind stadia, Let's just build a it's city. A city. Yeah. And, and apparently Neom is going to be 14 times the size of New York. Uh, that is the, the ultimate dream. 
Um, and yeah, with all the cash being injected, uh, who's to say that's not possible? Uh, I'm extremely it's, excited. It's supposed to be a sorry. sorry it's sorry supposed to be a smart city as well, which is uh, quite an interesting concept. I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I can actually just hold my pub quiz book out as we arrive, and I'll immediately get all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, and it's also the northernmost point that we travel. Um, they're going to be traveling in the mountains the on day three around the the highest point of the rally. Uh, it's very close to Jordan. It's very, very close to Egypt. Um, and neither of which we're going to be able to get to to have a beer. But we will be able to <laughs> stay there for two days because, yes. as we all know, the Dakar Rally travels from city to city almost every day. It's very rare when you get to when you don't have to pack your bags the very next day yeah. after arriving. And uh, we have the luxury of doing exactly that. So I'm extremely excited, not just to see this future city. Wash some but clothes again. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, Gents, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Let's just quickly find out. Valdu van der Waal, are you able to quickly pop in? He's saying no. Okay, he's going to take a break tonight. He's working extremely hard, as is Raymond Habst, our longtime colleague, friend, producer, uh, Nodal, and uh, Andrew Mulligan, <laughs> no, who's also oh, making oh. his uh, first trip here to Dakar. And uh, he's editing his arse off over in the corner. Uh, thanks very much, Gents. While we sit here and enjoy our fine coffee, Feed up and talk rubbish. You talk about new cities where, where the Dakar is going to finish. Uh, yeah. That's all, only Kidia. two years old. Yeah, and it's already got a Formula E track in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it looks like um, the Saudis are really serious about um, opening it to the world and, and uh, getting the latest technology in. And uh, the next couple of years could be very, very interesting. And one thing that I've noticed so far being here is my perception of Saudi and the way that we're sold it by the media yeah. is a very, very closed place, a very unhelpful mm. place, a very conservative place. The show that they put on for the opening ceremony was none of those things. Beautiful dancing, yeah. quite tight clothing for the men, especially uh, if you like men's bottoms in tight leggings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it, really, it really wasn't what I was expecting to see here. Uh, and yet they put it on and a really spectacular show. So it's breaking down preconceptions in my brain. Yeah, I think it's. It goes about 10 times a day where I hear from all of us, the traveling party, mm. wow, this is a nice place. I'm, yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying my but time I, here. I'll tell you what, uh, the, f the food so far has been, it's been great. Yeah, um, excellent. The one thing that just boggles my mind is... is <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> let's, it's, let's hear it. It's, it's travel, having to travel two or three kilometers before you can cross uh, a middle island. Yeah. I mean, the traffic jams that we've seen in, in Jeddah, they're mind-boggling only because... There's no intersections. Yeah, you're going to have to explain this when you try and picture this. Uh, the idea of a four-lane motorway with a, a, a kind of an island with another two-lane going the same direction. And if you want to go the other way, the other direction of the motorway, rather than coming off the motorway, going over a bridge, coming back on like you would do in most European countries here, you pull into the fast lane, which is the closest <laughs> one to the middle, and then there's a, a U-turn. There's a hole in the central reservation where you U-turn back into the fast lane of the other side. Yep. Absolutely nail the throttle and hope that everybody's seen you and doesn't nail the back of you before you try to cross four lanes of motorway to get back to the slow lane where you really wanted to be. It is nuts. Yeah, and then, and of course, those traffic circles. Man, it's oh, up wow. again. Oh, yeah. Priority is not for the people no. on the roundabout. No. Uh, uh, Mario, of course, doing the driving in his car. We've got Hannes Fisser doing the driving in ours. And uh, Danny, I can safely say I'm He's very happy cringing. to be a passenger. Yeah, I'm, He's been I'm, cringing. I... <laughs> 
<laughs> the first the first few hours in the car, I was uh, working on my laptop, so I didn't see anything. And then when I did look up, I just screamed, <laughs> oh, there's a car right next to me outside my window pointing at me. <laughs> What's going on? Well, luckily, oh. we don't have far to drive tomorrow yeah, well, to uh, try and uh, avoid those massive U-turns, uh, two Ks into the trip that we're going in the opposite direction. Uh, of course, I don't uh, have to spend any money on the illegal U-turn signs here because they simply don't exist. Uh, Danny, how do you see tomorrow panning out? I don't know. Oh, it's it's going to be interesting. It's... um. Uh, Hard, hard track uh, is being expected, and uh, well, from what everyone is telling us, um, the uh, the puncture rate might uh, increase, which will be interesting. It's bad enough today. Uh, I don't know. I don't, how many cars are claiming with um, broken um, with, with rear tires? I think there yeah, was at three, the end. three or four. Just when we, we were there, yeah. While we were there, in a period of what twelve cars? Yeah, but remember, so. um, again, I've got to reiterate: NASA starting number four. If there are rally roads, um, NASA has been rallying a lot in the last good few years. Um, Janil, yes, he hasn't rallied um, for the last two or three years, but he's got some experience on there. I know he's going to have a tough day. And we were talking about it earlier. He's going to start, he's, he's starting behind two trucks. So um, that's going to make it tough. Uh, he's going to have <coughs> Mr. Consistency. He's going to have to really be patient and, and to, to make his moves at the right time because it, that can be even more costly if he makes a mistake while trying to overtake one of those trucks. Yeah, you get forced off the road and then you hit another big rock and yeah. that's a big puncher. So yeah. uh, it's a tough day for Janil. He's got lots of tracks to follow. He can If he can get past those yeah. trucks, then he can make his way up through the field. But plenty of dust will be uh, hampering his progress. Yeah. Nasser and, Te- and, and Bernard Tenbrink are in a perfect position. Perfect. Trust Sainz and Peter Hansel ahead mm. and uh, I think we're in for a really good day as long as the tyres stay as they are supposed to be round and inflated and we were <laughs> talking about earlier it's the one thing that the team has got no control over yeah. you know as far as the mechanical stuff the preparation of the vehicle you know, Hilux has been perfect. Yeah, the car has been awesome. Says the marketing man. Of I know. I have to put that in there. I'm very <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, well, gents, it's uh, been great, as always. Stage uh, one done and dusted. Episode two of the special Dakar Rally Edition for Toyota Gazoo Racing. It's now 11 p.m. our side. So, Danny, it means uh, another four hours of work uh, before we hit the bed. Yeah, pretty much. For you guys, the bodyguard's <laughs> going home. Andrew, Andrew, where's my video? <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> gents, oh, done. Uh, yes. We'll catch up tomorrow. Thanks for joining us as always. And uh, we'll join you after stage two. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.